We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? This is the Uncontested Podcast, covering the Oklahoma City Thunder. This podcast is ran by Jacob, Nick, Justin, Taylor, and Kamiar. Listen to future episodes on your favorite podcast streaming service like iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating. This is Lou Dort. You're listening to the Uncontested. What is up? Welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. We are part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the official podcast of BoomtownHoops.com. I am your host, Jacob. Today, I've got Justin along with me. Hello, everybody. We also have Nick recording in his mom's basement. We've got Alex Caruso and PJ Dozier, former Thunder G League legends, playing Western Conference Finals Clunch Time Minutes. Feels we good. also have Mason Plumley um, getting screened when he didn't really get screened <laughs> to give up a game-winning three. But uh, tough look for my. You guy. know it is what it is. He might die by somebody dressed up as Mickey Mouse drowning him in the in the pool in the the bubble bubble tonight tonight. and this got very graphic very fast (laughs) i mean could you imagine like waking up just to see a Jokic sized mickey mouse over you with the glove hands gripping tighter and tighter around your neck i'm pretty sure i'm gonna have a dream about that tonight yeah maybe 
I mean, why do you want to have wet dreams, Justin? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, gentlemen. Uh, before we get started today, guys, I got to ask, have you guys played the Super Mario 3D All-Stars on Switch yet? No, but I want to. It is on my list of things to purchase. We We got all the way through Super Mario Odyssey during quarantine, and so my wife and I, we need some more Mario action. I likely will not. The idea in theory is great, but games are so freaking expensive I can't commit unless I know I'm going to play a bunch. Nick's afraid of commitment. You heard it here first. Uh, Nick, your girlfriend doesn't listen to the pod, does she? She does not. (laughs) Okay. Okay, just making sure. Uh, My fiance and I have been playing Super Mario 64. Yes. Remastered over the weekend. So So many memories, dude. Like, I... It's crazy. I played that game when I was like 10. Yeah. And I still remember so much stuff from that game. It's been a blast. It's just been just straight Muscle nostalgia memory. all weekend. Uh, <laughs> I'm really excited to play Galaxy because I've never played Galaxy before, yeah, but same. I've heard really good things. And Odyssey was a blast. So I have high hopes. Yep. I'm I'm excited to get down to it. So Get down. I, You've uh, been playing it on the projector. That's the question. Uh, no, we were going to hook it up on the projector Friday night, but didn't get around to it. Mm. Um, I should have, but regardless, it's been a lot of fun. Solid. Well, gentlemen, let's, uh, let's dive into some basketball stuff. We have a little bit of Thunder news to talk about. A little bit. Then we're going to get into a, uh, a little, um, exercise. We're going to exercise on the podcast tonight. I don't like the exercise. Tonight. No, thank you. Um, and then we'll uh, we'll take a trip around the association as well, so I can complain more about Mason Plumley uh, <laughs> and talk about the Boston Celtics. So uh, let's get started. First off, the Thunder have made a hire, not a mm. head coaching hire, um, but they have hired Corey Evans, a thirty-year-old Rivals recruiting analyst, into the, their scouting department. Uh, once th- this was announced, and I was like, I have no clue who this guy is. I think a lot of people had no <laughs> clue who this guy was. Uh-huh. But guys like uh, Sam Vecini and others, uh, I think Jonathan, Jonathan Gavoni as well, really talking up Corey Evans as somebody who grinds really hard, uh, really knows his basketball, follows these these recruits, these kids in high school as they're going through uh, their like, college deci- decisions. And I think this uh, this is pretty significant because we now have players going straight from high school to the G League. There's talks that in, in the future we'll get back to uh, getting rid of the one-and-done rule. Yep. Any thoughts on this hire? I think you hit on it right there. I think that it it is a reaction to one-and-done era of college basketball coming to an end. And I think it makes a lot of sense, as, as like you, uh, I didn't really know much about this or what to think about it. Um, But then I saw, actually I saw earlier today that another Josh Gershon, you took the words out of my mouth is joining the Timberwolves. So more teams are making similar type moves, which I think is, you know, it's smart. It's adapting to what is changing about the league and what is going to be changing about talent evaluation bringing in somebody who's been doing this and even started, um, you know, kind of from a grassroots level uh, is I think a smart move, even though I don't have much authority to, you know, evaluate his evaluating skills or anything like that. 
Yeah, my uh, my only question about him, and I'm sure we'll we'll get to know him more and more as, as time goes on. I'm curious what his international experience is because I feel like you know on top of what Jacob said with guys skipping college, going to the G League, and then with the new CBA potentially being able to skip college altogether, evaluating talent at a young age is going to be more and more important. But I'm also curious um, how much that affects the amount of international scouting, and especially with guys like Luca and Denny, if he pans out. Um, you got guys like Jokic and Porzingis, and a whole bunch of international guys are really starting to to be good in the league. I'm, I'm wondering how much emphasis is put on that department as well. Definitely. And with that being said, Nick, I think Sam Presti, is pretty good at international scouting. I think he's probably got some guys on his team uh, in his scouting department that do scout internationally. I mean, you have to remember, Sam Presti was the guy that got R.C. Buford to draft Tony Parker. Mm, um, yeah. th- this is the team that went out and found Alex Abrinas and, and got him in the second round. Uh, obviously, Alex Abrinas nowhere near the, the level of Tony Parker, obviously. But Alex was a really good rotational player. Uh, maybe should have started in OKC, uh, until his his bout with mental health and, and going back home. Alex was a really good player. And so I think they are probably like pretty well off on the international scouting aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like this guy, Corey Evans, is more specifically for these younger high school guys. I mean, he, he scouts kids that are like in junior high, which is like borderline creepy. But, <laughs> I, you know, like it makes sense because the Thunder have so many future picks that this guy is probably already scouting and has some ideas on some of these kids that are going to be available in 2023, 2024. Uh, so, so I think that makes it interesting as well. I think that's the, that's the other key point. One, the league as a whole is changing. Two, the Thunder are in a very different position than they have been for a while and then uh, most other teams are or maybe ever will be in that future talent evaluation of young prospects is going to be the most important thing that they do with their time uh, for the next few years. So bringing in somebody who's well-versed in that, who has experience doing that, who probably could tell you right now who he thinks already are those top up-and-coming prospects, that's going to be a powerful tool. It's exciting. Making, Making moves like this, although they're small, um, it, it'd be fun one day if, if Oklahoma City drafts a uh, uh, perennial all-star and a generational-type player, and they can attest it to to this guy being a, a key influencer in that process. Or three in a row. I don't know. Let's ah. get weird. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, uh, it, ju- yeah, like Justin, you mentioned, just the timeline of this, uh, the, the shifting aspect of the league, uh, all of that really makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, NBA scouts... I don't think are allowed to go to high school games uh, because of the one and done rule. NBA scouts, I do not believe are allowed to scout high school kids like in person. They're allowed to Hmm. obviously go to college games. Uh, I don't think they can scout high school kids. And so you're bringing in this guy who's already done the work on the 2021 class. He's already done a ton of work on the 2022 class. You know, he he's scouting these kids that are freshmen and sophomores in high school right now who won't hit the NBA draft for three, four, five years. Yeah. And so he already has some background and he already has some contacts. And so that makes a lot of sense as well. Yep. It's interesting. I think this, this feels when, when I saw this hire, one of the first things that came to mind was like, okay, um, the thunder, we had some fun this year. (laughs) 
but things have really shifted. Like we are officially moving towards the reposition and replenish and uh, rebuild mode for the Thunder. And I think this is this is the first of many things that are going to signal that. Um, but it, it's it's going to be a fun ride. Yeah, all all the context clues and all the signs are pointing to. Uh, let's just be honest. This team isn't going to be very good next year. Nope. Sorry to anyone still holding on hope. I think that uh, is not going to I think they'll be fun. Happen. I mean, we're going to get to watch 30-plus minutes of Shea, Bays, Lou, and whoever yeah. they draft in the first round this year. Uh, <laughs> Denny Uftia. Woo! But um, it's. I, I think it's going to be a fun year. I just don't think they're going to win a lot of games. I'm having really bad deja vu right now. I feel like... I, I don't know if it was if it was you guys or Kamiya or Taylor or, or actually all the above that were saying the same thing last year. You never know. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. No, it's I mean it's fair. We don't know for certain, but yeah. I feel I feel very confident that this year uh is going to be the sell off all the vets and do what you can. Uh speaking of the future though, we can't move on with the podcast until we talk about the Rockets and the Clippers. Russell Westbrook Paul George, the absolute implosion, the Thunder having literally all of their picks just for them to get a second round exit. We, we we cannot not talk about that. I have been so giddy to talk about this for a while now. <laughs> you couldn't script this better for the Thunder. It's unbelievable, honestly. It's unbelievable how Paul George, it's like, it's like a rerun for him. It, it's the same thing. That happened in Oklahoma City for two years. But now it's just in a different city with a different second superstar and a different group of people, but the essentially the same result and the same sound bites from Paul George. Oh, we didn't have enough time to gel. This wasn't championship or bust. Like those are word for word things he said in Oklahoma City. Oh, I didn't this is just the first season with Russ and Mello. This wasn't championship or bust. I, I'm gonna be here for a long time. Well, we saw how that worked out. I'm not saying that he's going to be bolting from L.A. anytime soon, but what I am saying is this man is sure good at coming up with excuses, and I think that there's a bigger problem, and that seems to be that nobody can gel with Paul George. And that may be a little bit spicy, but it's, it seems like, okay, you had Russ, you had Melo, you've got Kawhi, and uh, we've, we've heard about some of the altercations coming out with him and Trez, like it just sounds kinda, like Trez is gone. It yeah, like I don't know. I'm not trying to to like call Paul George a team killer, but there's a little bit of smoke starting to come out in that realm. If you're if you're Kawhi Leonard, you know obviously these guys have another at least another year um, under contract before they have their options for that third year. But if you're Kawhi Leonard, do you have any? ounce of of admiration in your soul to maybe explore um requesting a trade or or requesting paul george off the team or anything major like that or do you think he's cool just kind of running the back it's so hard to read Kawhi leonard i was gonna say i have no clue has i don't know what the hell goes through that guy's brain man but (laughs) it's you know here here's all that i have to say is for the the thunders aspect from the thunders point of view here with all of the Clippers picks, this was maybe best case scenario. Wholeheartedly, yeah. Like even if they go to the, it, you know, the Clippers go to the Western Conference Finals, play against the Lakers, and lose, like that's more excusable. This wasn't. 
and it just starts to plant those seeds of doubt. Do one of those guys decide to leave? Do they want to trade? Um, does Paul George not sign an extension this summer? Uh, yada, 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 yada. I think it's going to be a lot harder for the Clippers to win a title next year than it was this year. Well, that's the um, thing is like Paul George kept reiterating, not that I think this was genuine, but kept reiterating, you know, it's no pressure, no pressure, pressure's not on us. Well, guess what, buddy? The pressure's going to be on you next year. He and Kawhi are on the last year of their exactly. deal. Exactly. And like, the West is going to be a goddamn bloodbath next year. Yeah. I mean, look at the eight teams that made it into the playoffs this year, right? You have a Minnesota Timberwolves team looking to get in the playoffs. You're going to have a New Orleans Pelicans team that's got a healthy Zion, knock on wood, for 82 games. The Warriors are coming back with a number two overall pick. Like, the the West is just going to be killer next year. And it's going to be so much harder to win a title next year because the competition is going to be even better. Yeah. And you already shit the bed this year. And you have one year left. Next year, what if they get bounced in the first round next year? (laughs) Do both of those guys decide... It's time to move on. Does does Kawhi say I want to go uh, uh, across the hallway in Staples? Does uh, PG say I want to go back to the Eastern Conference? There's so many possibilities there. Yeah, the like Sam Presti has to just be sitting back, sipping on his wine, just chuckling to himself. And it I'm rem- all for it, man. I mean, when we got the haul, when we found out everything that the Clippers sent to the Thunder. And we got the details of that. It was pretty early on that people started comparing it to like the Nets Celtics. But with that trade, there were everybody made the caveat of like, yeah, but there's no way that this ends up as bad as that did. You know, as bad as the the KG Paul Pierce experiment in Brooklyn. And I'm not saying it is going to be that bad, but what I'm saying is if this team doesn't win a chip, it's going to feel as bad, you know? (laughs) So I don't know. It's I'm just starting to doubt this method of team building. Like at, at what point do GMs stop mortgaging their entire future for superstars because it just seems like more often than not, than not it doesn't it work, out. work out. And it's really hard to, I mean, there's always going to be nuances and outliers here, but it seems like it's getting harder and harder just to slap all-stars on a floor and say, go play than it is to organically build around a team, you know, that plays well together and then add maybe once like, so like Toronto, yeah. for example, last year, a lot of those guys had played together. Like the, the core yeah. of the team had played together and then you throw the superstar in there right. to get him over the hump rather than just throwing a bunch of guys together. Well, and, and I feel like that used to be the way that people approached building teams until the Miami trio. When you had Braun, Wade, Bosch, they all go team up in Miami and stack titles. And everybody's tried to emulate that. But I think the piece that they're missing is like the chemistry, specifically yeah. the chemistry that Braun and Wade had. Nobody else has gotten that. And I think what we're seeing is you're you're building a championship quality roster on paper. Might work great in 2K, but on the actual basketball court, if the chemistry and intangibles aren't there, you get a second round exit. And to to that point, the team that they lost to 
is the complete opposite. It's what right. Nick was just explaining. Yeah. Build through the draft. Build that chemistry. Denver, I, I don't have stats or, or numbers in front of me or whatever, but I think Denver is the most consistent team in the league as far as players on the roster for the long haul. Right, uh, players that they drafted and, and built a team through Gary Harris, uh, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic. Obviously, they traded for for Jeremy Grant, but this is a team that has essentially been the same team for the past three years, and they've built up that chemistry, they've built up that camaraderie, they know how to play with each other, and they've gotten better through that, not just throwing some all stars together and hoping it works. Yeah, and so yeah. I feel like the contrast there is is very stark, uh, and and explains that point perfectly i love it um okay maybe that's enough shitting on the clippers although i don't know (laughs) if we could ever shit enough on the clippers um let's shift over to a team farther south in the houston rockets dude it, it just it blows my mind it's like presti can see the future can you imagine if russ and pg stayed in oklahoma city they went down to the bubble and got bounced in the first or the second round. And then now you're on PG with a contract year. Who's played bad? Russ probably looks like what Chris Paul looked like last year, this time last year, yeah. which was an untradeable piece. And you're just kind of stuck. Yeah. Presti, I, I heard someone the other day said that it almost feels like Presti trades guys a little too early, but he knows the exact right time to trade guys. Last year... During the summer, I felt like we all said, well, it's over now, but it feels like he traded him too early. They should have given it one more run. Presty knew. He knew, he pulled the trigger, and he got that massive haul. And then if he would have waited a year, it would have been bad. Now, it's crazy the moment he pulled that trigger and what he got for those players. I think you've got to give, I don't know if credit's the right word, but you got to give Paul George a little bit of that credit because I think he, I don't think Presty trades those guys last summer unless PG asks out. Right? Like do you think he had any thought before PG asked out? Um I'm sure it crossed his mind, but the the issue there would have been leverage. Yeah. Right? It's it's the same reason the Lakers didn't try to trade for Paul George when Oklahoma City got him is eh one year we'll take our you, you can you can keep him we'll take our chances in free agency. I think that would have been the case for both of those guys. So the hall would not have been near as great. The hall was, as we've talked about ad nauseum, the hall was for PG and Kawhi, which made it so historic. But, I mean, I don't know. We we were sitting here a little over a year ago. I don't think any of us felt great about running it back. Like, we, we felt like that's what was going to happen. But I don't think any of us were excited about this season close to being you know in the the finals it was the first round in in what five games they they hadn't been to a game six yeah uh and even in the first round i don't know if over i don't know if the two times the two years that paul george was in oklahoma city did they ever hold a game advantage in the playoffs no no they did they won game one in the utah series that's right yeah I just, I mean, that team was just obviously flawed and and financially handicapped, and there so there was nothing they could do to improve the roster, and so it was like, yeah, I mean, we can, we, right, like Dude, we can see yeah. what happens, but S- staying on that Houston theme, there, they are screwed, absolutely. What screwed. does Houston do? 
Their youngest player is, I think, 25, and he's a two-way guy, I think. Maybe Bruno Caboclo is 25. They have two 27-year-olds. Those are the youngest players on their team. I tweeted out the other day, and it got a lot of love. <laughs> their future pick situation <laughs> yeah, is not great. bad. They don't have anything to trade. I mean, what is the most tradable asset on that roster right now besides James Harden? Is it Eric Gordon? Because I don't think Russell Westbrook right now is a tradable asset. I think they're just like they had to give up picks to get off of Chris Paul last summer. They would have to give up picks to get off of Russell Westbrook this summer. Yeah. The problem is they don't have picks to trade anymore. Right. Due to not being able to trade picks over seven years out and due to the Stepien rule, not being able to trade a first round pick in back to back years, they are screwed. And then you factor in the fact that old Tillman is um, not having a great time with his businesses. He was already a cheapskate. Right. That's going to make a pandemic hit extra tough. I mean, not not that Oklahoma City is in great shape in that regard. Um, The old Chesapeake Energy oil uh, benefactor situation is not ideal at the moment, but that's going to make things hard for a team if you can't trade and you need to overpay to improve your roster. I'm not sure they can overpay. Where are they at, Nick, in three years? Where's Houston at in three years when when Russell Westbrook is 34, James Harden is 33, 34, both of them are aging out, P.J. Tucker's probably dead, um, and they have no draft picks and no youth? I think they are without both Russell Westbrook and James Harden. I don't think there's any way those guys are still there in three years. I think they will find a way to get a decent return for Harden at some point, it's not going to be anything that Thunder got for like a Paul George, but I think they'll find a way to get a young guy that maybe needs a new situation or demanded his way out and, and they're willing to take on Harden to give up a guy like that. I think they'll have a couple of young guys, but, but I'll say they'll be, they'll definitely be a bottom feeder with, with not a lot of future assets, even at that point. Does it worry you at all? For the, from the Thunder's perspective, that those future picks, 2024 and 2026, are top four protected? Could the Rockets fall so, so bad, bad that they're getting a top, top four pick in 2024 and 2026? 2024, I mean, gosh, yeah, that's four years out. I mean, yeah, that, that, that could actually be a real possibility. And I'm, yeah, that's... That's tough it's to crazy think to think about, but I mean that that could become part of their strategy at that point, you know, tank so they can keep their pick because that might be their only hope. Whew. Um, yeah, but I mean, you pull back the similarities, and it's not totally different than how the Thunder organization was looking when we looked at the future, you know, last year or two years ago or something like that. Like they were just kind of stuck and Presty kind of pulled a rabbit out of his hat given, given the situation they were in. I don't know if Tillman or Maury have any more rabbits to pull, but it'll be fascinating to see where they go with it. Nick, you mentioned, you know, they'll get a return for Harden suggesting that they'll trade him. Is it possible that Harden just walks? I mean, he's got a player option in 2022-2023. Is it a possibility that he plays out this contract and at the age of 33 um, decides to opt out and get one last big deal and just walks from Houston and they get nothing in return? 
Houston lets that happen. I think I think they'll you have think a, they deal him? They'll, I mean they'll have a they'll have a nose on the situation. If things are starting to go south, by the time that that he's in the final year of his deal, I think the Rockets will either be fully imploded and he'll be so pissed off that he's demanding a trade. Um I, I just don't see a world where Houston a couple of years from now is like, Oh, Harden's in his last year of his deal, let's Let's give one more run and see what happens, and maybe he'll walk, maybe he won't. I don't think they'll get to that point. They don't have the flexibility to get to that point. It's it's interesting, yeah. They they might be bad enough that they get to keep their top four pick, which for the Thunder would suck, um, which gets us in a whole nother rabbit hole that we could talk for a full podcast over on when is that draft pick at its highest value. Um, I think that draft pick is definitely at its highest value before you find out if it's top four or not, uh, before that draft lottery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that I think those Rockets picks are probably at their highest value over the next two years. I would not be surprised if they are included in a trade package to mm. either move up in a draft or um, to get a player. That's a great That wouldn't point. surprise me at all. Yep. Like That's next year, point. let's say the Thunder get lucky enough to like land pick three next year. I wouldn't be surprised if you see the Thunder trading pick three and that future Houston Rockets pick to move up to one or something like that. Yeah. You know, uh, granted, I don't know if anyone's going to give up the number one overall pick in 2021, but I think there's a high likelihood of that happening because those picks are protected. I think their, their highest value will come before the draft night that that pick uh, becomes a selection. Does that make sense? Yep. I, I think that makes a lot of sense. It, I mean, package them up and go get Denny, right? Do it. <laughs> I mentioned on Twitter, I got three guys in this draft. We're going to get down a rabbit hole here. We don't need to. I got three guys in this draft, boys. Obviously, Denny. Obby. Kenny, uh, Kenny, Killian Hayes. I like Killian Hayes a lot. Um, and Onyeka Okongwu, yeah. uh, who reminds me of an early Serge Ibaka. Uh-huh. Those are my three guys. Like if you can it. get up and get one of those three, I would be incredibly yep. happy. I'd take any of those. I said uh, Denny is like God tier Gallo. Killian Hayes <laughs> is the next James Harden because uh, he's lefty and he's smooth. And Onyeka Okongwu is early surge mixed with Bam Adebayo. Whew. Give it to me. I like it. I like it. Well, you know what else people like? Go on. Oh, I, that wasn't rhetorical. I thought you were actually going to answer it. Uh, they like Manscaped, Justin. <laughs> As Jacob mentioned, support for the uncontested is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Listen, we've all had an experience where you shave a little too close, get some blood, looks like a crime scene in the bathroom. Don't let that happen. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer so you don't do that. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, 
So you can take a longer shave. That's a lot of hair to shave. Hopefully it doesn't take you 90 minutes. The waterproof technology also allows you to groom in the shower. That's a time saver, everybody. One of the coolest features, though, is the LED light, which illuminates grooming hair for a closer and more precise trim. Shave in the dark. I don't know. Sounds fun. They also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is also a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim your junk. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNCONTESTED20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. 20% off and free shipping with the code UNCONTESTED20 at manscaped.com. Once again, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with code UNCONTESTED20. All right, gentlemen, well, we're talking all about the Thunder's future all the draft picks they have. One thing they did get in that Clippers haul was our boy Shea. Mm. I wanted to do a quick exercise with you guys over Shea. Uh, looking back, because we've had some talks uh, off the pod about like who's better, Shea or this guy? Who's better, Shea or, or that guy? So let's do it on the pod, I figured. Yeah. I've gone back and looked at the 2018 NBA draft class. Uh, that is the year that Shea was drafted. Uh Pick number 11 overall, actually drafted by the Charlotte Hornets, ended up in Los Angeles on a draft night trade. And when you look at players outside of the lottery, very, very clearly, Shea is better than any of those players outside of the lottery. You've got Troy Brown, Zaire Smith, Dante DiVincenzo, Lonnie Walker, Kevin Herter, uh, Josh Koji, Grayson Allen, Chandler Hutchison, Aaron Holiday, Anthony Simons. Mo Wagner, Landry Shamit, Robert Williams, Jacob Evans, uh, some dude that I can't pronounce his name, and Amari Spellman. Shea's better than all of those players, clearly. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you guys about the guy, the other players that were drafted in the lottery with Shea, and get oh, your opinion. Is yeah. would you rather have Shea or the, the other, other guy? guy? Can we get a parameter so we're on the same page as this? Is this who's better right now, or who would you rather have to build around for the for the future? That's a good question. What do you guys want to do? Let, let's do the future piece, because I feel like right now is, is a lot less relevant. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. So we're going to work backwards uh, from pick 14 down. Justin, I'm starting with you. Who would you rather have going into next season uh, on the, on their, their rookie contract, two more years, and then obviously you have the restricted free agency coming up. So you have control over these players. Who would you rather have, Shea Gilgis-Alexander or Michael Porter Jr.? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going with SGA. I think Ooh, Michael, I like Porter, it. Michael Porter Jr.'s got potential. Um, but my goodness, he's also got some other issues. Uh, the locker room piece, just his comments in the playoffs – of like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think I need the ball more in my hands. Uh, the They're really missing out. You you just don't have that kind of stuff with Shea. And now maybe if Michael Porter Shea Jr. Shea also gets his vaccinations. Shea also is probably well vaccinated. That Canadian Universal Healthcare will do that. But, <laughs> um, 
I don't know. Maybe Michael Porter Jr. can keep his foot out of his mouth if he's in Oklahoma City because we've seen that they did it to Kevin Durant, so anything is possible. But uh, I'm sticking with Shea. I am probably with you by a hair. I, I think Shea I'd probably rather have by a little bit. But, geez, 6'10", high release, yeah. elite rebounder. Not a great defender, but, I mean, MPJ definitely has, I mean, in this class, one of the highest ceilings without a doubt. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. I agree with that. Uh, Nick, let's take a 180, pick number 13. <laughs> Would you rather have Shea or, or Jerome, Jerome Robinson? Robinson? Well, Jerome Robinson's 2.9 points a game this season were pretty fascinating, but I think without even having to debate this one, we can probably move on SGA by a mile. Okay, uh, you can also have the next one, Nick, which is Miles Bridges. Bridges. Mm. Still going SGA here. Miles Bridges is really good, I think. His athleticism is one of the only reasons he's as good as he has been to this point in his career. And I, I just don't know how high his ceiling is. He's on a Hornets team that, you know, maybe hinders his, his trajectory. We see a lot of young guys blossom on teams where they have a winning culture and have, you know, vets around them and, and can learn a lot with, with good leadership. I don't know if that changes with Bridges on a different team, but as it stands right now, He's just a, a freak athlete that can dunk the ball and, and can shoot the three a little bit. I'm not super high on him, so I'm going SGA. Yeah, and the thing with these young players on these bad teams is it's kind of hard to evaluate because right. they can put up stats because somebody has to get stats. Right. An NBA team's not going to score 60 points a night. Right. You know, They're all going to get around 100. Somebody has to score the ball. Um, and, and so I think sometimes it's hard to evaluate based off of stats, but... Yeah, I think that one's a pretty much a no-brainer as well. Um, okay, Justin, we'll come back to you. We'll skip pick 11 because would you rather have SGA or SGA is a really hard question. Um, <laughs> one guy that I absolutely love in this draft, would you rather have Shea or Mikael Bridges from Phoenix? Mm, that's fun. Uh, that's fun to think about. I do like Mikael Bridges. But I think I'm sticking with Shay. Um, I think that, you know, Mikhail Bridges as like a three and D guy would be a really nice piece on the Thunder, but like looking at the Thunder moving towards the forward moving towards the forward, moving towards the future is a English sentence. Um is a three and D guy super vital to lock down right now? Probably not. You know, that's a position you can probably fill later on in the rebuild. I think we've talked about SGA before is like he can be your your Robin. You know, he can be your CJ McCollum. He can be your Chris Middleton. I think that is a is a more important piece to lock down. Uh, you still have to get Batman. And I don't know that Mikhail Bridges helps Batman a whole lot just yet. Nick, do you agree with that? Totally. Yeah, I think uh, Bridges is probably the most... <laughs> interesting obviously defensive player of any guy we're going to discuss throughout this segment but at the end of the day I think the playmaking ability and and what Shea's going to be able to do trumps any you know freak freak athleticism on the defensive end that Bridges brings to the table I think Bridges is a fourth or fifth starting guy on a high tier uh, playoff team slash borderline championship contender I think Shea Mm. can be number two on that team Mm. right I think that's and, fair. and so yeah, I I just think Bridges' skill set is that that's definitely lower on the on the totem pole. 
Yep. Um, Nick, I'll give you the next two again because I feel like you're getting the unfair ones. Uh, Shay or <laughs> Shay's teammate, Kevin Knox? Yeah, Kevin Knox would be really, really nice next to Shay. Um, had a really bad year this year. His points per game were cut in half from 12.8 last year to 6.4. His minutes this most were, recent... were slashed too. I was, I was looking at that as well. Yeah, from um, 28 to 18. So he's, he's a guy that I think in a new situation could be good. I think even in the best of the best situation, I still don't think Kevin Knox is going to be better than Shea. I agree. Um, I still want Kevin Knox. I'm, I will die <laughs> on the Kevin Knox hill. Give it a shot. It, uh, Nick, Nick you mentioned how bad he was this year. I have one reason for that. Knicks. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's fair, but common trend. But, and this is this goes back to what you said a second ago, of you know, on a bad team, some guys are going to be able to put up points because somebody has to. Kevin Knox was not an example of that. Well, yeah, but I mean, look how many bad players are shooting the ball all the time on that team. For sure. You've got Bobby Portis and Julius Randle. For <laughs> for sure. You know? There's plenty of problems to go around on the Knicks. <laughs> I, I, I know I'm contradicting myself from what I just said a few minutes ago, but I think there's some franchises where it's just so hard to evaluate a player because the player development, the front office, the coaching staff is such a joke totally. that they, they can't, they can't do well. And and yeah. I think New York is one of those places. I think Sacramento is one of those places. Yeah, I agree. I think that's fair. Nick, you get the next one as well. I'm going to be interested to hear your answer in this one. Shay or Colin Sexton? I'm going to actually go Colin Sexton on this one, which is wow. probably not the popular answer. He is without a doubt a guy playing in Cleveland that someone has to score. So he does. He averaged, Close to 17 a game his first season and 21 a game in this most recent season, which is awesome. You know, he's a good free throw shooter. He's a lot better of a three-point shooter than I expected him to be coming out of college. Um, I mean, close to 40% in both seasons. I think he's a really, really good guy. He's just like Shea in the fact that I don't think he'll ever be a number one guy on a championship team. He's likely to be a, a, a second or a third guy, but... It's also interesting because he can play combo guard kind of like Shea. He played a lot of point guard his rookie season, shifted to more of a shooting guard in his second season, so he can play point guard, shooting guard, probably small forward if he had to. I think he's got a lot of defensive upside, just like Shea does. They play a lot different. Like when you watch them on TV, their games are obviously very, very different. But when it comes to the production you're going to get, I think they're just about spot on. Um, That being said... I I just think Sexton has more of the the alpha male in him, where I think we've she, we've seen Shea, especially in the playoffs, get a little bit passive on us. We've never seen Colin Sexton shy away from being the the superstar of the team he's on, which is bad right now. That's an interesting point, the attitude piece. I do think the way you put it was was good. Of they don't necessarily play the same, but on a team they would fill the same role. Um, and I think that if I'm filling that role for my team right now, I think I think I'm probably picking Shea over Sexton. But I agree, it's close. And I I don't know. I think you'd be arguably happy with either of them. I I'm going Shea in this one as well, and I think I'm doing that for two reasons. Uh, number one, versatility. Number two, size. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> but Colin Sexton, six one, one ninety. 
uh, Shea at six six with the six nine six ten wingspan. Um, I just I value length, and, and I think that allows Shea. I mean, we saw Shea play majority of the year at three this season. Uh, he can play one, two, or three. I think that's uh, that that's pretty substantial. And whereas Colin Sexton can score the ball, I think Shea can impact the game a little bit more with his passing. Uh, that that and that's still definitely up in the air. I think we'll get a lot better view of that next season in Shea's third year, uh, especially his rebounding. I think Shea can be more impactful, and I think long term his defense because of that length can be more impactful. And so for those reasons, I would go Shea uh, over Colin Sexton. On, on that but, note, before we before we move on, uh, this is something that's that I've thought about quite a bit recently. So this upcoming season, assuming it goes how we expect it, and Chris is gone, and all of these vets are gone, and it's Shea's time to, to step up, and we can really see what the, the, what he looks like when the team is truly his, I think everyone's kind of jumping to the conclusion like, oh yeah, we're finally going to see Shea be a number one guy and see how great he is. What if he's not? And what if it really, really stands out? Like all these, all these things we've said that Shea on a championship team is going to be a number two, number three guy. What if he really struggles in that number one role next season and we start to lose a little bit of stock in him? I think it's very very well. He could struggle next yeah. year. And honestly, I would be surprised if next year wasn't predominantly a struggle for him. I think you're you're not looking at, is he winning you games? I think you're looking at more, how is he progressing as a player? Uh, can you see the growth? If he's going to be your number one guy next year, we've all just said we don't think he's going to be the number one guy in on a championship contender team on a, on a deep playoff run team. So I think it's maybe a little unfair to to look at him as a number one guy in on a bad team and say, oh, if he's bad as a number one guy in on a bad team, is he going to be good as a number one guy in on a good team? You know, like it's it, it, it's hard to make that balance, and it it's it takes guys a while. I mean. This team had James Harden and Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, and we're still in the lottery. You know, so I think it's going to take a while. I think next year you're, you're looking less at is is Shea playing the perfect game and leading his team to wins, and more what growth and what steps are you seeing him take? Can he be a lead ball handler? Uh, can he be a guy that can consistently set teammates up night in and night out? Can he be a guy that buys in on the defensive end and utilizes that length um, to to disrupt other teams? Can he take on those assignments type of thing? Yep, I think you nailed it. Uh, I would not yeah, be no, surprised. I'm pretty good at what I do. Okay, <laughs> never mind. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Shea struggle, but I don't think that that changes the long-term outlook. It might change your evaluation of him now, but I, I think that the way that he's going to have to be evaluated is just going to kind of have to be different now than it was this year or than it will be on Thunder 2.0. Yeah, the parameters are shifting. Yep. Uh, Justin, Wendell Carter Jr. or Shea? Shea. Okay, easy enough. Mo Bamba <laughs> or Shea? Uh, Shea. Okay. Um, I do like Wendell Carter Jr., I think he has potential. You know, a lot of the things that we just talked about, I think, apply to Wendell Carter Jr. I don't think we've seen the best of Wendell Carter Jr. in Chicago. I don't know that anybody gets their best showcase in Chicago right now. So it's kind of hard to evaluate. He may very well be good, but I don't know that he's like the best option for the modern NBA. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that, that's what I was going to say, too. I added Bamba and Carter. I think Wendell Carter's much more 
interesting. Um, the, the, the big knock on him, especially the way the league is going, I thought he might turn out to be a better three-point shooter in the league, and through his first two seasons, he shot 18% and 20% in those first two years, and that's horrific, obviously. And if he can't turn that around, I, I mean, he's going to be another, like a Steven Adams. Not that Steven Adams is bad, but if you're not a three-point shooting big in this league, your value is not going to be super high. Yep. Um, I, I, Nick, I'm totally with you. I would take Wendell Carter over Mo Bamba any day. Let's say Orlando calls Oklahoma City tonight and says, hey, will you give us that lottery-protected heat pick, which looks like it's going to be a pretty low pick, for Mo Bamba, would you do it? Without a doubt, without a question. Like, no no second thought about it. Like, Mo Bamba is a guy that I think can be good. I don't think his ceiling is near as high as people thought when he was coming out. He was, you know, talking about yeah. being one of the better one of the better centers. He had all these crazy comps with his insane wingspan. He is a guy that can step out and shoot a three. shot almost 35% from three, although it was only on like two attempts a game this season. But I think that when, when you look at him on the floor and you look at what he does, you look at his advanced stats and even his regular stats, like the, the things that he does and his percentages and his clips, all that kind of stuff, if you could scale it on a team on the right in the right situation, he does all the right things that you want a big to do other than stay healthy. I just want him on the Thunder so every time something happens, they play Mo Bamba, the song. You know that'll never happen. <laughs> nah, that's probably true. Um, Nick, you get a fun one here. So, so far, guys, we have gone pick 6 through 14. Uh, we're not taking, besides Nick with Colin Sexton, we're not taking anybody over SGA. We're going to get into some names now that I think some of them are going to be very obvious and some of them we're going to have a good discussion on. First one, Nick, being Trey Young. Trey Young, Young or Shea? I'm going Trey Young. I think, obviously, he's small. Uh, Shea has, has a lot more upside in a lot of areas, rebounding and you know on defense and a lot of the things that he's going to be able to do, I think, will be better than Trey Young. But Trey Young does have that number one guy factor. Like I, I think if you get the right guys around Trey Young in the next five years, he could be a number one guy on a really, really good playoff team. I don't know about a, a championship team, but, I mean, he averaged damn near 30 points and 10 assists a game, if I'm not mistaken, this season in his, in his second NBA season. Like, that is absurd. So I, without a doubt, would take Trey Young now and for the future over SGA. Yeah, Trey has skills that he is elite at. Uh, yep. He is an absolutely elite, like 1%, top 1% passer in the league. Uh, he is an elite shooter in the league. Uh, those things matter. And Nick, you're right. He averaged 30 uh, and 9 assists a game. Uh, he is he is absolutely elite at, at those things. Um, I think the, the other aspects of his game, uh, the rebounding, the defense, those types of things, uh, he has a very low floor. I feel like Shea's floor pretty much across the board is is a lot higher than Trey's floor in a lot of aspects, but there are certain spots where Trey's ceiling is so high, it just goes way past, I think, anything Shea can hope for. Yep. Is that fair? Uh, uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, at, being an Oklahoma Sooners fan, I, I experienced the year of the, the Trey Young roller coaster. Of The highs are very, very high. 
but the lows are rough. Uh, and I think that that has carried over to the NBA a little bit. Now, a lot of that just has to do with playing the Hawks. There's a lot of lows, but uh, man, like Trey young, Trey young can be a, a centerpiece. He can't do it by himself, but he can be a centerpiece. We talked about how SGA's maybe a Robin. Trey Young can be Batman. Yep, and I, I I may be biased here too. I don't know if you guys know this. Like, if I'm my my team out east is the Hawks. Like, I I love watching the Hawks, and I watch the Hawks probably a lot more than any other team outside of the Thunder. So I am probably biased on this one, but I I just think Trey Young is absolutely spectacular. Yeah, no, he's he's dynamic for sure. He is. He is a young Dame or a young Steph. Uh, Dame, I think, is I, – I, I think Trey can only dream of being as good as Dame defensively, and I don't think yeah. Dame is good yeah. defensively. Um, but, yeah, okay, so next one then. So we got one player over Shea. Justin, this one's coming to you. Shea or Jaron Jackson Jr.? Yeah, that gets fun. Uh, this one's hard because they're two totally completely different, different players. Yeah, totally different. I think I'm going to go with Triple J. And I'm going to go with Triple J for similar reasons that I didn't go with Wendell Carter Jr. And that I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is a more modern NBA friendly, modern NBA ready post player that I think you could could be a really important piece for your team. Like he's six foot eleven. And he can stroke the three. Like here's an that insane. Sorry, it, here's an insane stat for him. His three point percentage increased by three and a half percent from year one to year two, but he tripled his amount of attempts. That's, yeah, that's insane. That's wild. You don't see that typically when your attempts skyrocket right. like that. Your percentage goes down. His went up. Like, imagine him on the Thunder this year. It man. Like, I don't know. I, I get excited thinking about Triple J and where his future is headed. And I, I feel like, personally, I feel like big guys tend to be the late bloomers in the league. Yeah. Um, so if you if you bring that into consideration, too, like his ceiling could be stupid high. He reminds me a little bit of, like, a, his progression, like an Anthony Davis in a way. I don't think he'll be as good as Anthony Davis. But. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we got two guys above Shea now. Uh, can we just skip over Luka Doncic, please? No, can, can I can I, can I? I take this one a different direction? Uh, I'll actually take SGA over can I, Luka. Can I take a different ta- on, a stance on Luka? <laughs> okay. Um, maybe a hot take. So the, the question would be SGA versus Luka, who would you take? I would say, I don't care who it is, Giannis, AD, LeBron, Harden, insert any name in the NBA, I'm taking Luka over anybody in the game right now to build a team around age considered. Yeah. Yep. I think I'm with you. Yeah. I don't think it's that hot of a take age considered uh, age considered. Yeah. Yep. Um, if, if there I was, mean, if there was a, a fantasy style draft, if the league said, you know, today we're going to throw everybody in a giant draft and we're going to, we're just going to redraft the entire NBA. I don't think there's any reason Lucas shouldn't go. Number one, 28, sorry, 29, nine, and nine in his second season and in the league 21. as a 21-year-old. <laughs> That's insane. Six seven two thirty. He's damn near the size of like a LeBron James. He's insane. He insane. is insane. It, it's it's unconscionable how good he is. 
Um, I think this next one's pretty easy too. SGA or Marvin Bagley? SGA because Bagley cannot play. Like you literally, yeah. you can't be on the floor. Easy, Doctor Seuss. <laughs> uh, I um, <laughs> I find it interesting. What if is there a chance Marvin Bagley becomes available? I don't think this early. I think if he has another injury plagued season next year and doesn't play a bunch, I think perhaps I think the Kings are still going to hold on a bit longer, especially when yeah. their front office just. 365 days ago was was comparing Fox and Bagley to KD and Russ. They're pretty high on him. <laughs> well, they are. They do have a new GM now. Um, no more Vlade voice, which sucks. What if they make a playoff push this year, and at the trade deadline, they're looking to uh, to upgrade to really push them over the hump? Would you give up an asset or two to go get Marvin Bagley? Oh yeah, but if they're making a playoff push, it's only because Marvin Bagley is playing and playing well. That's that's just how it is. Interesting. Okay. Uh, last one. We can all do the last one together. The number one overall pick in the draft, DeAndre Ayton. That's what that's she what said. She said. Um, the only reason I would even entertain the thought of Shea here is because it's 2020, and I don't know how much a center impacts the game at twenty uh, in 2020. Uh, Mark. Marvin Bagley shot 0.3 three-point attempts uh, a game this season and shot 23% on them. Yeah, not Bagley, sorry, Aiton. Uh, 18 points, nearly 12 rebounds, two assists, uh, a block and a half a game. I mean, I, I think Aiton is really, really good. The only reason I would think about taking Shea is because perimeter-oriented players are that much more important than centers in the league. Nick, you and I kind of had a debate a few weeks ago uh, off the pod about James Wiseman and how I wouldn't take him top five in the draft simply because he's a center. Uh, I I just don't know how much centers, especially non-three-point shooting centers, are going to be impactful in the next five, six, seven years in the league. Yeah, I think think Aiton is a guy that at best would be DeMarcus Cousins that doesn't shoot, and even DeMarcus Cousins at his peak that did shoot couldn't get his team over the hump as a number one guy. It's, it's, yep. just, it's just not a position in this NBA that I want to have as a, as a number one pick. So would you take Shea over him? I think I might. Ooh, Justin, what do you say? I'm going Aiton. I... I agree with everything that you guys have said around backcourt versus frontcourt and all that kind of stuff. But I think, especially seeing the jump that Aiton took this year, I think that uh, I'm I'm pretty high on his potential. And I think that if I were starting a team right now and someone said you can have Aiton or you can have Shea, I think, man, it would be really hard to pass Aiton. Jacob, yeah, I think I'm going I'm to put you on the spot here, and if you don't remember... Can you look it up and tweet it out for us? Go go back to our 2018 NBA redraft that we did probably eight, nine, ten months ago, whatever that was. Look at where we drafted Shea in that redraft and how many guys we took over him and see how that lines up. And I want I want to see what our thoughts on this uh, this overall draft and, and where Shea falls. You know, back then. I, I forget to now. who we had. I've um, got it. I've got it. Okay, there you go. Uh, one Luca, two Trey. Three, Jaron Jackson Jr. Four, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Five, Aiton. Six, Sexton. 
seven Bagley. That's and guess who took DeAndre Ayton at five? That was yours truly. Wow, nice. That's pretty spot on from what we kind of said, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, mm-hmm. it definitely is. So we took uh, here, I think, four players above Shea. So yeah, we have him as the fifth best player in his class again. Not bad, not bad. And the 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 players in front of him that we took are really 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 freaking good one one is an <laughs> right. absolutely generational talent um so yeah no i i think we're we're that was pretty good i think we're kind of spot on there so yep interesting interesting well guys uh let's get to some league-wide talk before we get our listeners out of here because we have been going a little bit long um before we do that though take a quick moment to tell you guys about some of our sponsors this week Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much, much that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try out Indeed with a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer is valid through September 30th. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Gentlemen, it's time for the best sounder on the pod. I don't even know where you're sitting at. Like. <laughs> I doubt Kawhi is laughing right now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start out in the East, where Boston won Game 3 to make the Eastern Conference Finals a 2-1 series. How are you guys feeling about that one? It's interesting because 
I don't think these are teams we expected to be here at all. Um, I think it's a very even match series, although it didn't start out that way. I think it's going to even up here over the next couple of days. But it's it's a super fascinating matchup where both teams get a lot of their production from their best three guys. And it's really coming down to the, the role players and the bench guys for you know, who wins these games. And I think that's going to vary from game to game, but overall it's been a super fascinating series. Getting Gordon Hayward back seems pretty significant. Huge. That's exactly what I was going to say is it'll be interesting to see what Hayward is able to do. 31 minutes, six points, obviously, obviously not, not the greatest. greatest but, 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 but read, read off his other stats. He had like five rebounds, four assists, three steals, a block. Exactly what I was going to say is, but all things considered, you take into account his situation, getting plopped into the Eastern Conference Finals after uh, not being in the bubble and not playing at NBA level. Uh, it's pretty impressive, I think. So it'll be interesting to see how quickly do does everything else return to normal. Is he able to do it before this series is over? I think that'll be a big factor for the Celtics. Now, he's not a super dynamic defender. But I think he does help them with his size. I mean, they were playing him, matching him up against like Bam Adebayo, you know, yeah. which Bam has been phenomenal. But it just gives them a little bit of an extra guy out there that that can really make a difference. And so I think it's really interesting. I just got to point out, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are 22 and 23 years old. Pretty good. They're insane. Dude. <laughs> Boston has those guys locked up. I mean, they're going to hit restricted free agency. Boston has those guys for six and seven more years, respectively, if they we want talk, them. And I don't see why they wouldn't earlier. want them. Talked about it earlier of like comparing the the Thunder Clippers trade to the Nets Celtics. And when I watch uh, those guys play basketball, it makes me excited for the Thunder's future. Yeah, to me, to me, Shea is the Jalen Brown. Yeah, and you've got to go find your Jason Tatum. Yep. With that being said, Jalen Brown is so effing good. Oh, my <laughs> God. I love watching that kid play. Yeah. Uh, I mean, They're I understand how incredible Tatum is. I just, I for personal reasons, I enjoy Jalen Brown more. He is tenacious. He is aggressive. Uh, he is ferocious. Just everything you like in a basketball player. And maybe this is a hot take because maybe I'm wrong. I feel like Marcus Smart is slept on entirely too much. That guy is a, I mean, and Nick knows this from his Stillwater days. That guy is a damn bulldog. That yeah. he, to me, he is like finals MVP, Andre Iguodala. Like there is never a moment where Marcus Smart isn't just the toughest guy on the court. He's, he's one of the few guys in the league that I would say has like that Russell Westbrook motor and just intensity at all times. But he tries on defense. Yes, he does. <laughs> He's insane, man. He is absolutely... I love watching that guy play basketball. He's one of those guys that you can't help but root for just because of the energy that he brings to every play. Yeah, unless you're playing against him, then you absolutely right, hate him. Right, <laughs> right. Who's going to win this series? I'm sticking with the Heat. I am going to go Celtics just to be different. I, I, I do think that they... Gordon Hayward is going to be huge. I, I just think that Tatum and Brown are going to continue to be awesome. And if Kemba Walker can step up and be a 20 to 25 point per game 
kind of guy, I don't think Miami's going to be able to keep up. And, and they've got a lot of young shooters and a lot different than Houston. But Miami's a team that relies a lot on the three ball. If they go cold one or two games the rest of the series, they're kind of out of luck because they rely on that a ton. <laughs> Let's transition. And I've got Boston as well. Uh, I picked them at the beginning of the series, so I'm not going to change that. Let's transition to the West where we just saw the Lakers take game two on an Anthony Davis buzzer beater. Does Denver have it in them, guys? Down yeah. 3-1 in the first series, down 3-1 in the second series. You're not playing with a uh, against a Paul George. You're not playing against a shorthanded Utah anymore. You're playing against the King. Do they have it in them? No. I think... Yes. I mean, the, the winning two series in a row down 3-1 was something that had never happened. Your your luck runs out at some point. I just, I mean, I, 3-1, it may not get to 3-1. It may be some sort of different, you know, 2-0 and then tied up at 2-2, whatever it might be. But I just, the the king is not going to let that happen. It is LeBron James's championship to lose this season. I think the Lakers are head and shoulders better than any team left. But they've done it twice. And the question is, do they have a chance? Yes, they have a chance. Because they've proven to us they deserve a chance. And they've proven it twice. And I think in, in both of those series, when they were down 3-1, it was like, eh, you know, they're head and shoulders worse than their opponent. And then something changed. And while the Lakers have, yes, looked head and shoulders better than the Nuggets thus far, I'm not counting them out. Am I running out tomorrow? To go bet on them? Absolutely not. But I think they have earned the right to have a shot at this. And I think that just given the the past few series that we've seen out of them, even going back to last year, I think they have a shot. I'd like for them to win. I don't know if they're going to. With that being said, guys, I I think it was at the beginning of the year. Our, and, and Justin, you might know this or have it pulled up uh, because – you are much better at being organized than I am. <laughs> I want to say I made a bet that said a non-LA, non-Milwaukee team will win the finals. Yeah, you said no California or Milwaukee teams will win the title. How do you guys mm-hmm. feel about that now? Because there's, out of the possible, four possible teams to make the finals, only one of them falls in that category, and that's obviously yeah. the Lakers. Are you taking the Lakers or the field for the NBA title? Lakers. It's not even a question yeah. for me. Yep. yep. If I'm putting money on it, it's going on the Lakers. However, I do want to caveat and say that Nick took you up on that bet. Um, so Nick has a vested interest in this question. Oh, what do you know what we bet? You bet a hat. Oh, okay. Didn't specify what kind of hat. Nick, I'm not buying you a Make America Great Again hat. I just want you to know <laughs> that right now. <laughs> I, I, uh, I might still take the field. Hat. I might still take the field. You could do it at Bet Online, I'm sure. Man, I mean, both those Eastern Conference teams against the Lakers would be fascinating. Jimmy Butler guarding LeBron James, Bam Adebayo guarding Anthony Davis. I want to see Jimmy, Jimmy and Braun go at it. I think that Jalen, so Jalen and Braun going at it. Jason Tatum out there. Um, it's just it, it would be either one of those teams. It's going to be a fun finals. I'm re- I'm personally I'm ready for my Boston Denver finals matchup. Yeah, put it in my face. Can you imagine? 
three. ratings through the roof. Uh, dude, I would watch the shit out of that. I would, would be, be so fun. excited. I mean, I mean honestly, honestly, with the four teams left, left, I don't, I don't think, think you can go, go wrong. Mix and match any four, I think it would be pretty fun. Uh, well, it's uh, it's going to be fun. We don't have basketball again until I think Wednesday, boys. So it's going to be a while. I'm used to basketball every day. It's it's starting gonna to go have withdrawals. Yeah, starting to go away. I'm not ready for it. Uh, any parting thoughts before we hop off of here? Go Cowboys. Okay, yeah, they, they earned that. They earned that today. My boy CD, disc sheep, showing out. <laughs> Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode of The Uncontested. If you are a first-time listener, thanks for tuning in. You should go and hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast from. We're dropping episodes every Monday morning and Thursday morning during the Thunders offseason. Unless some big news comes out, we will, of course, emergency pod whenever they hire a coach, make a trade, uh, make a draft selection, any of those types of things. But besides that, Mondays and Thursdays, we will be with you consistently. So subscribe so you can get those every Monday and Wednesday morning for your commute. If you're a longtime listener, man, we love you. Thank you so much for always uh, for always sticking around, being true. We appreciate you. Regardless, if you've listened once or a thousand times, please go drop a five-star rating. That would mean a ton to us. Helps out our standing on iTunes. Helps out our standing with our podcast network. Puts a little bit of extra coins in the coffers, if you know what I'm saying. So go help us out. You can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. You can find Nick on Twitter. He is at Crane NBA. Justin is at OKC Tracker. Is there an underscore in there, Justin? No, sir. Just at OKC Tracker. At I OKC am OKC Tracker. I am at Jacob Niffin. Podcast is at the underscore uncontested. You guys have a great beginning of your week. Be safe. Wash your hands. We will be back with you Thursday morning. Thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.